in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 18, as well as 2 Corinthians 5, 17. You can open your Bibles there as Doug Nichols, who is a missionary with uh, C10, Commission to Every Nation, comes forward, and we're so grateful for his ministry. Doug? It's wonderful to have a child dedication. Uh, my mother named me Douglas after a famous World War II general. And uh, I looked it up one time in the Hebrew. Uh, there's a verse in the Psalms, out of the muddy water. <laughs> well, you know, that describes a lot of us. We came out of the muddy water of sin. Christ saved us. And then he gives us a new name. A new name. Wasn't it wonderful what uh, Vivian said about adoption? Uh, have you ever considered adoption? You know, some of us, we say, well, I don't have children, and I would like to have my need met. Well, you don't adopt children to have your need met. God gives you children for the child's sake. And when there's uh, several hundred thousand children in the United States alone that need parents, why don't some of you pray about that? You say, well, I already have five. Well, what's wrong with six? <laughs> well, I don't know. I'm too old. Well, how, how young do you have to be to be a parent? <laughs> Look at Abraham and Sarah. You know, the history of, of, of God's people, so often we put little cultural uh, ideas in, in family life and marriage and so forth, rather than uh, what... God would lead us to do to make a difference for his glory. You say, I may have problems if I adopt. Well, look at your own kids. Have you had any problems? <laughs> of course you will have problems because it's a, it's a spiritual battle. You know, I received a letter, a Christmas card the other day, and they said, We're sorry we haven't been in touch, but we've been very busy. They have adopted 17 children. And... Uh, uh, it's fortunate we got one Christmas card from them. Uh, but they did this, and now they're, la they're on their last two. You know, one of them is 18, one's 17. And they said, we've had many blessings and many problems. You know, pray, pray that God would lead some of you uh, to make a difference for the glory of God in the life of a child. And let's turn in our Bibles to Second Peter. Second Peter uh, chapter 3, I'll begin to read uh, verse 10, Second Peter chapter 3, verse 10. Verse 10 says, but the day of the Lord will come like a thief in which the heavens will pass away with a roar and the elements will be destroyed with intense heat and the earth and its works will be burned up. Since all these things are to be destroyed in this way, isn't it something? All these things will be destroyed, and yet we put so much emphasis on them. The things we gather, the things we have in our home, the, the, even the, the resolutions we've made this year on certain things have to do with things, places to visit, um, games to go to. All these things 
will be destroyed. What sort of people, since this is going to happen, what sort of people ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness? And godliness. Is that one of your resolutions this year? Godliness? I'm, I'm memorizing some verses, and I ran over this last night. Titus 2, 11, 12, 13, and 14. It says, For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all men, instructing us to deny ungodliness and worldly desires. Wow. And to live sensibly and righteously and godly in this present life. When you go anywhere, do you go to work, do people know that, oh, here comes that man of God. When you go shopping, do people know there's something different about you? <laughs> the way you dress, the way you smile, the way you treat other people, the way you let people go first in line, whatever it might be, is that, is that a picture of, of uh, you and me? In the Philippines, we have a phrase called uh, Christian, but we have a phrase called mananampalataya, which means true believer. In other words, someone who's living it out. Verse 12, looking forward and hastening the coming of the day of the Lord because of which the heavens and be destroyed and burning and the elements will melt with intense heat. But according to his promise, you are looking for new heavens and new earth in which righteousness dwells. You know, there's a difference about us because as Mananampalataya is the true believers because we recognize that this is not our home. We're just passing through. Just passing through. Therefore, beloved, verse 14, since you look for these things, be diligent to be found in him in peace and spotless and blameless and regard the patience of our Lord as salvation and just as also our beloved Paul, according to the wisdom given him, wrote to you. And also in his all of his letters, speaking in them of these things in which are some things hard to understand. You know, I'm, a new, I'm in a new Bible reading program. I was convicted uh, a few weeks ago that uh, I systematically only read the Bible through once a year. Once a year. Oh, I had my devotions and other books and read books and studied and so forth, but I just systematically read through and I thought... Once a year. Is that all? <laughs> I read of a man who said that on January 1, he put away all books and only read the Bible until he finished it. And he said, I can usually finish by reading, you know, so many pages a day, I can usually finish by two or three months. Oh, he said, I've read other, you know, kind of read other books, but I didn't emphasize that. I, I, I gave myself to reading the Bible. I had one everywhere I went and so forth. So I did that the other day, and I took this Bible. I'm a slow reader. I didn't learn to read until I was 21. So I took this Bible. I said, if I read this Bible, every page in two months, how many pages would I read a day? And you know how many pages it is? It's only 20. Only 20. You know, commercial 
on the Husky football game, his average is about five minutes. And the halftime report, which is quite interesting, is 15 minutes. How many pages can you read in that time? You know, and, and I read this. Well, some things are hard to understand. I mean, two days ago, I was in Leviticus. Have you read Leviticus recently? I mean, it is difficult. And then I began, I purpose. I was going to mark something on every page. And this morning when I was reading Isaiah, oh, wow. You know, the, the glory of Christ and the goodness of God and his mercy. Oh, what a, what a book. Even though some of the things were hard to understand. As they also do the rest of the scriptures in their own destruction, if you distort it. Verse 17, you therefore, beloved, knowing this beforehand, be on your guard to, that you are not carried away by the error of unprincipled men and fall from your own steadfastness. And then Peter closes the book with this wonderful verse in verse 18, which is our text today. But grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. So the title of my message this morning is Our Purpose 2017 and Beyond. And uh, I only have a few minutes uh, because of communion afterwards, so you'll forgive me if I just skip over some parts. But how do we grow in grace and knowledge of Christ? Well, number one, salvation. Coming to faith and trust in Jesus Christ as Savior. Have you been saved? Have, have you trusted Christ as Savior? You know, we read in Acts 4.12, and there is salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven that has been given among men by which we must be saved. We must be saved and only through Jesus Christ. John 14, 6 says, when Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life and no man cometh unto the Father but by me. I am the way. Without the way there's no going. I am the truth. Without the truth there's no knowing. I am the life Without the life, there's no living. Everything centers in Christ. And see, false religions will tell you other things, other ways. Or Christ plus this. Or this plus Christ. But there's only one way to heaven. Some Mormons came to my door. And I find, since I'm 74, it's easy <laughs> You know, it's hard for me to share the gospel. I get intimidated by others. And, but I, I find that when I'm 74, Mormons respect age. They teach their young people to be kind and considerate and respectful of age. So, man, these guys are respectful of me no matter what I say. <laughs> so they come to the door. And, and I, the other day I was going to a meeting and I said, Hey, I'm sorry. I don't have time to talk. But since you're here, God brought you here. May I share something with you? And I just said, have you heard of Jesus Christ? Oh, yeah, we love you. I said, no, your Jesus is not the Jesus of the Bible. Oh, yes, oh, no, he's not. And they start to say something, and I just hold a hand. They stop. I said, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, not a son, as they teach, 
But their son, God's only beloved son, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, whosoever believes in him, not in your Jesus, who's the brother of Lucifer, but Jesus of the Bible, who's the son of God, who's the Messiah. And I said, you guys are wonderful guys. You guys are so nice. I said, man, I wish some of my kids, my grandkids were like you and your conduct. But I said, you know, you're good people, but goodness does not get you to heaven. For by grace are you saved through faith, not of, your, not of yourself, not of good works. You know, good works, we're saved unto good works, but we're not saved by good works. <laughs> you're trying to go to heaven on your good works. And what did the guy started crying? And there's a guy who, I guess, was training him, got upset. But this fellow was open to the gospel. You know, one of the things, by the way, we get sidetracked with Mormons. They're such good people. But you ask the Mormon, which is the only, what church is the only church that will allow me to go to heaven? They say, oh, this, they're just trying to win you to their church. You know, when we share the gospel, we, we share the gospel. We don't necessarily invite them just to come to our church because this is the only church in existence. We share the Lord Jesus Christ, who's the only way to heaven. Recently, by the way, do you share the gospel? Do, do, you, do you do that? Do you, do you tell others about Jesus? You know, the early church expanded because they went everywhere, even in persecution, they went everywhere gossiping the word of God, gossiping the gospel. And so we tell others about Christ. You say, well, I'm afraid I'll do it wrong. Really, it's not how you share the gospel where the power is. For the gospel is the power of God to salvation. You hear that? The gospel is the power, not the way you share it. You share it rightly. You get it correctly. But so, well, well, I want to use tack. You know, I want to look for the perfect opportunity. Well, when is that? When would that be? So often we use tack. We just look for the right, perfect moment. And it goes by and they never hear that Jesus is the way to glory. We share the gospel. There's a captain who flies for the Philippine Airlines. And Philippine Airlines flies direct from Manila to Vancouver, British Columbia, our sister city up north. And recently, upon landing at the Vancouver Canada International Airport, the captain of the Philippine Airlines 777 came on the PA for the last time. He said, good morning, everyone. This is the captain. Welcome to Vancouver. God is good. And all the time, he, he is good. He protected us from Manila to Vancouver and across the Pacific Ocean. Can you imagine? This is the, a captain over the PA. He said, remember, this is Christmas time. Jesus was born to die and was risen for our salvation. Wherever you celebrate Christmas, in the next few days, say this. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for giving me eternal life through your Son, the Lord Jesus. Malagayan Pasco, which means Merry Christmas. Again, welcome to Vancouver. You know, he shared the good news. 
not complete every little sentence about the gospel, but he shared that Christ was the only way. Welcome to Vancouver. You know, we can say to people, you're welcome into heaven, but only in trusting Christ for salvation. Secondly, after salvation, there's sanctification. A good verse for us to memorize is 2 Corinthians 5.17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creature. The old things passed away. Behold, all things have become new. <laughs> Notice that. All things have become new. new. New affections and new attitudes. New actions. New associations. New aims. All things have become new. Uh, next uh, Saturday at the Men's Fellowship, I'm giving all the men for their families this excellent 365 daily meditations on the Word of God renewed by the Spirit by an fr- acquaintance of mine, Ralph Tilly. And uh, by the way, I bought that. I ordered 50 copies, not realizing it was going to cost me six hundred dollars. He found out that I was buying them, so he's going to charge me only 50 percent, 300 bucks. And I was trying to find out how I sell the gold out of my false teeth to pay for these books. But then he heard I was giving them to families that they might lead their families in the Word of God, and he sent them to me. I just received them two days ago free of charge. That's the kind of man he is. But he tells a story in one of these daily devotions about a man named Joe. He immigrated to the United States, Illinois, from France in the year 1903. And uh, he was a coal miner. He worked in coal mines in France, so he got a job in a coal mine. And he was a mule driver. They would put the coal on these carts, and they were pulled by small donkeys or small horses or mules. And he was the mule driver to, to get these heavy loads pulled by these mules. And he carried a whip. And they usually beat these animals until they almost died. Well, Joe was on the way to a, a ball game on a, sun, on a Sunday, and he passed, uh, he passed a street meeting, people out preaching the gospel like, <clears throat> like Nate and Nathan do a lot here on the street, preaching the gospel. And so he went to listen to them, and he had never heard the gospel story. He had never heard of Christ before. And so he listens, and he never went to the ball game. The next Sunday, he did the same thing. He went to the same street meeting. (laughs) The third Sunday, the same thing. And he trusted Christ as Savior on that third Sunday. Well, he tells us, Joe tells the story that when he got up to go to work the next week, he was getting his whip that he had beat the mule with. He took the whip and he just, he, almost like he heard a voice, what are you going to do with that whip? You're a new person in Christ. So he goes to work and he walks up to his mule. The mule with all these scars, bruises, cuts, from this beating with his whip. And with tears in his eyes, <laughs> Joe walks up to this mule, and uh, I'd like to ask him forgiveness of this mule, puts his arm around him, hugs him, 
and says, I'm sorry I've treated you so badly. I'm a Christian now. I'm not going to beat you anymore. And then he looked the mule in the eyes and kissed the mule right on the nose. <laughs> now, I don't know about you, but have you kissed any mules recently? I mean, has your life so changed that it's drastic change in your life? New, new affections. You know, love for Christ and love for his people, the church. Uh, love for his word. What about new attitudes? From grumpiness to joy. Uh, from anger to kindness. From hatred to love. Uh, from complaining to thankfulness. Uh, from lust to purity. New attitudes about the teaching of the Word of God. Do you sit listening to our pastor week after week teach the Word of God? You're looking for something that he's going to say that you might argue with or something wrong? Or do you have a new attitude to, to soak yourself in the Word of God? When you're letting people around you know that they think that you're looking at your iPhone, the Scripture, and you're really <laughs> looking at your email... Is that what you do? Or do you hunger to know God's word? And constantly you're looking for ways that you could grow in grace and knowledge of Christ by spending time in the word of God. What about new actions? Romans 6 verse 11. For consider yourselves to be dead to sin. Verse 13 of Romans 6. Present yourselves to God. What about verse 19? Present your members, your, actually your body, as slaves to righteousness, resulting in sanctification. So gone is uh, smoking and, and dancing and tattoos. and uh, Gone is uh, filthy rap and the music that so often we listen to. Gone is too much TV and gone is, too, is, is immodesty. You know, we start thinking that this is my body. How do I display it to the world? Gone is, uh, is drunkenness. I was a drunkard. And when I trusted Christ, I was addicted to alcohol, to gambling, to the opposite sex, to, to all these things. I burglarized homes. And that was my living. Lying. And it's really interesting. The day after I trusted Christ, wow, those things went away. Oh, I had tendencies towards these things. Even now I like the smell of, of wine and liquor and booze. I, I, you know, the smell doesn't repulse me. I guess that's why I'm, it's easy for me to work with alcoholics. <laughs> you know, it smells good, believe it or not. But let me ask you, are you a drinker? You say, we have no rules. You know, we don't want to be, no church wants to have legalism. But be careful when you use that word legalism. Uh, you say, well, I drink, in a, I drink in moderation. What is moderation? What is moderation? One, one glass of wine impairs your mind for one hour. One hour. What do two glasses do? 
What do three? Three weeks ago, a leading man in the reform movement with eight children, wonderful teacher of the Word of God, was stopped by a police officer because of a little, you know, he didn't stop quite correctly at a red light. The policeman pulled him over, checked him for alcohol, and he was above the limit. He had simply been with Christian friends and had a glass of wine, and oh, he can handle his booze, so he had two glasses. Maybe he had three, but it went too far. Moderation, he drank in moderation. And because he had a minor in the car with him, that's a felony. And now he's lost his job, he's lost his reputation, teaching in a theological school, leader in a, in, a, in a reform movement, and he may go to prison for three years, simply for drinking and moderation. You know, we say, we quote verses like, uh, Paul wrote to Timothy, drink a little wine for your stomach's sake. Wouldn't that shows you that Timothy did not drink wine. That Paul had to tell him to drink some because of his ailment, his sickness, to clean out his stomach or whatever. So be careful when we, you know, I, I just finished Proverbs 31 yesterday. Proverbs says, kings and rulers were not to drink wine. Now, you and I have been called kings and priests. And if God has called many of us to leadership and all of us to live a testimonial life, why are we indulging in something that could be questionable and to keep us from having wise decisions? Yesterday I read Isaiah 28, verse 7. It talks, describing people. They reel with wine. They are confused by wine. But they stagger with strong drink. Notice wine is not the listed with strong drink. It's, it's, not, it's less. So, at the risk of offending everybody here today, be careful. You're a new person in Christ Jesus. Don't do anything that will cause you to cause others to stumble or cause you to lose your testimony. New associations. The Bible says association with the wicked, corrupt good manners. Who do you hang around with? I heard this morning that uh, several of us, quite a few of us, helped David and Vicki Mirataki move yesterday. And one of the men this morning said it was so wonderful to be with the other men, Christian men of the church, because of the fellowship. So we associate with people who, men and women, whose lives spur you on to love and good works and godliness. Get new associates, new aims. To glorify Christ in life and family and your work and sports. To live a holy life. To live obedient lives. To, to have an aim to take the gospel to the ends of the earth. Pastor Joe a few weeks ago, challenged us to pray for missionaries. Uh, you know, why don't we pray that God would raise up missionaries from this church, that we would ask God to send out more to share the good news of Christ. Perhaps God would cause, not just you young people, but some of you people in your 40s and 50s and 60s and 70s, 
In fact, some of you look like you don't have long to live. You know, it's cheaper to die in the Philippines and Africa than the United States. By the way, we laugh at that, but it's true, isn't it? Some of our best missionaries that ever come to the Philippines were people in their 60s, 70s, and 80s. Old things passed away. New things have come. We have allowed the world to squeeze us into its mold, haven't we? Instead of like Christ, we're like the world. Why did the early church conquer the Roman Empire? They were not politically correct. They lived pure lives. They did not bow down to idols of that day. They didn't do any of these things. They were completely otherworldly. Like Christ, willing to endure the scorn of the world for Christ and the gospel. And it said the Christians turned the world upside down. So, have you kissed a mule recently? To the point that even animals around us, (laughs) maybe those animals at work and school, know there's a change in our lives. So number three, how do we grow in, in sanctification? Well, there's four ways. I'll just skim through these. The Word of God, prayer, the church, and obedience. The Word of God. The aim is to be a person of the book. Isaiah 42, 21. The Lord was pleased for His righteousness' sake to make the law, His Word, great and glorious. That's the Word of God that we have. Psalm 119.11, your word I have treasured in my heart that I may not sin against you. Pastor Joe read this verse this morning, Deuteronomy 11.19, you shall teach them God's law, God's word to your sons, talking of them when you sit in your house and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you rise up. Isaiah 40 verse 8 says the word of God is, it stands forever. 2 Timothy 3.16 and 17 All scriptures inspired by God and profitable for teaching and for reproof and for correction and for training in righteousness so that the man or woman of God may be adequately equipped for every good work. Notice that. For teaching. In other words, the word of God, this is the way to go. For reproof. This is how you got off that way. For correction. This is how you get back home. And for training in righteousness. This is how you stay there. So get a good study Bible and use it. Examples of the Thompson Chain Reference Bible, the Reformation Study Bible, the Life Application Study Bible, the MacArthur Study Bible. My favorite is the ESV Study Bible. But whatever is your favorite, use it. Get involved in a regular Bible study and with others. Attend Sunday school to take every opportunity you can to study the Word of God. Our goal is to be nourished by the Word of God, which leads us to the bread of heaven. So read much of the Bible. Get a Bible reading plan and use it. Now, you can write this down. The best reading plan, Bible reading plan for 2017, this is the best there is. Number one, 
tomorrow morning, pick up your Bible and read it. Day two, pick up your Bible and read it some more. Day three, pick up your Bible and read it some more. Day four, pick up your Bible and what? Read it some more. In other words, read the Bible. That is the best Bible reading program. We grow in sanctification also by prayer. Pray without ceasing, the Apostle Paul says. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. I wrote down the acts of prayer. A-C-T-S, acts. Adoration, you start with adoration. Praising God for who it is. C, confession. Forgive us our debts. Confess your sins before God. Uh, number three, a T, thanksgiving. Psalm 69, 30 says, glorify God with thanksgiving. A-C-T-S, supplication, to pray for the needs of others and yourself. To give us this day our daily bread, we read in, in, in the Lord's Prayer. And lead us not into temptation. Philippians 4, 16 says, 4, 6 says, make your requests known to God. In other words, pray without ceasing about everything. The third important step in sanctification is our growth in Christ is fellowship in the church. Hebrews 10, 25 says, Not forsaking our own assembling together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. You know, read about the redwoods in California, 350 feet high, 2,500 years old. Why have they, how, why have they stood all the storms of that's passed through the, that area all these years. Why are they still standing? Their root system is only six to ten feet deep. Well, the answer is because they're, the root system, because they're so close together, intertwined with one another. So when the storms come, they all stand together to combat the storm. That's a picture of the church. We stand together. We're intertwined. We're intertwined. God's design is that the lives of believers, particularly with the local church, should be characterized by this kind of interdependence with one another. We're, we're involved with one another. We're entwined with one another. Not merely present in body, but actively involved in sharing and giving and serving and learning together. We need accountability and encouragement for, from each other. It's not an option. It's a matter of survival, especially in this day. A rule of thumb, a habit to, never, to not break is never miss church. Don't miss church. Prepare for Sunday on Saturday. Get out, go to bed early on Saturday night. I know, I know this goes against our culture. Uh, on Saturday night, don't go to parties. Don't go to dances. You know, on Saturday night, spend it with the family. Prepare for Sunday on Saturday. Go to bed early. And on Sunday morning, get up early. You say, well, I can't get my kids. To well, get up earlier. Put them to bed earlier. In other words, you focus. You want to be with God's people. The fourth step in sanctification is obedience. And I'll close with this. There are a lot of people who say that they're Christians. Especially today with celebrities and politicians. Are they? For true faith is repentant faith. 
The gospel call is that sinners must repent and believe. It's a changed mind, a changed heart, a changed will. It's literally a turning away from sin and a turning to God. It shows how healthy a tree is. Fruit shows how healthy a tree is. Well, so do our words and our actions. They show our life and character, and the fruit of repentance is a changed life. Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. If you love Christ, you are obedient to what the Scripture commands. And what's saving faith? It's a faith that trusts and follows Christ. There are 1,642 commandments in the New Testament. <laughs> How many have we kept? C.T. Studd was sharing a room. He's a great missionary in China and India and Africa. And he was sharing a room at a conference in England years when he was older with a great British pastor by the name of F.B. Meyer. They were sharing a room at the conference, and F.B. Meyer got up early one morning, and he saw that C.T. Studd was already up with a candlelight studying his Bible. But he noticed he was crying. So F.B. Meyer said to C.T., C.T., is something wrong? And C.T. looked at him and said, no, nothing's wrong except that I've been reading my New Testament. And a lot of the verse, the words of Jesus, if you love me, keep my commandments. And my heart is ashamed. I'm so embarrassed before my Lord and how so many of the commands of Christ I have not kept. So remember, as we close today, that you're just as holy as you want to be. You're just as holy as you want to be. So continue growing in grace and in knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ through the Word of God, through prayer, through fellowship in the church and obedience. Let's live a life, 2017, of no regrets. No regrets of spending less time with sports and TV and entertainment and more time with my family. No regrets going to bed early on Saturday night to be alert to hear the preaching of the Word of God on Sunday. No regrets of getting up early or canceling an appointment to spend time in the Word of God. No regrets in turning off the TV to spend time with my children and my wife. No regrets in going home early to help and encourage my wife. No regrets in battling the traffic and to spend time with God's family during the week and on Sunday. No regrets in trusting and obeying God to become all that I should be in the Lord Jesus Christ. So let's live a life of no regrets in 2017. Let's grow in grace and in knowledge of Jesus. And next year, January 1, Ask yourself, am I more holy than I was this time last year because of my trust in Christ and obedience to him? Father, thank you for this time together this morning. Father, we praise you for your word. We praise you for these, these various verses that you have brought to our mind. And Lord, that we might continue to grow and knowledge of the Word of God, even those areas that are difficult to understand. 
Father, may we meditate, may we memorize, may we seek to learn, may we study, may we be in Bible studies. Father, may we be the husband that we should be, the father that we should be. May we help our children and put them in situations that they can uh, understand the word of God and grow with, with other godly friends. Father, help us to share the good news of Christ with others. Father, may our life so shine that by our good works that people may see them and glorify you in heaven. Father, there's so much to learn and do. And Lord, some of us are older. Help us not to waste our life. But those of us who are younger, Lord, help us to look forward to a life that will bring pleasing and glory to our Savior's name. Father, we love you. Thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen.